good morning and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast. After a very, very busy week on and off the racetrack, we have a lot to get through in the next hour. We're going to be cherry picking some of the racing performances and getting stuck into what was a hell of a news week. No getting away from that with all things racing. Uh, usual boys have joined me, Brendan Duke. Tony Calvin and Kevin Blake. We all seem in relatively good form despite the Irish rugby result and the English <sighs> rugby result. Eek, dare I mention it. Um, very quick check in. TC, I w- I'm relieved to see that you are actually still in your box room. I just, it looks different, but you are still in your location. Thank goodness. My, uh, my afternoon carpets and uh, having the house painted and all the stuff in the next couple of weeks. So, just uh, moving. I didn't realize. I can't remember how much of a ball lake it is actually, because all rooms gonna have to be cleared. And oh, see me nightmare. You have to take all the beds apart and put back. Oh, don't. Mister Interior I, I Design. Really, I was feeling really so rough yesterday. I went to bed early, and I didn't even watch the uh, France South Africa match. The, the, one of the greatest rugby matches of all time. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <missed> <laughs> I was so rough. I was. I was asleep by six o'clock. I'm just. Wow. I'm, I'm just perking uh, Kevin- up slightly now. You're very happy to be back in Golden, by all accounts, after yeah, a week yeah, in Newmarket. Yeah, back, back at it. Yeah, back at it. Got to see the rugby last night, which was great. I mean, didn't see most of the Irish match because I intelligently booked a flight for 10 past eight on Saturday. So there you go. And got to got to see the first half in the last 30 seconds. But there we go. Um, and yeah, otherwise all great. Yeah, driving on. And Brendan, I know you're in good form because of the result in the Dewhurst, so I barely need to ask, but it's only right that I do a very quick check-in. Absolutely. I was under the impression that the English won their their rugby match yesterday. Did they get beaten? No, they won. They won just to play it abysmally, and they're going to get absolutely... Everyone was very disappointed in their performance. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. Well, at least they won. You get another chance, unlike us. But okay. Yeah. Let's see how they get on again. Let's see how they get on against the bomb squad. Yeah. <laughs> Just are, are you uh, dog sitting in that seat? Yes, I am dog sitting, Tony. Yeah, yeah. As usual, you are the master of uh, tracking my movements. Uh, yeah, stunning. All right. Let's move on. I am in Paul Nichols's smart sitting room. This is his smart sitting room I've been put in for this recording of the podcast. Oh, TC's put his glasses on. No, I'm just having a look. Do you really want to be a trainer's wife, don't you? <laughs> <You're spinning laughs> and, so and, well. and if that's um, the case, you better be careful if you're down in ditch yeah. Oh, <laughs> I definitely do not want to be that's a trainer's wife. That one is for sure. Let's move yeah. on very quickly, guys. Oh. Uh, we are going to start with the Group 1 two-year-old races from Newmarket. Um, and of course, the big horse of the weekend was City of Troy in the Dewhurst. And he duly went and got the job done in pretty decent fashion. The more you watch it back, seemingly the better it gets. Everybody waxing lyrical about this horse. Comparisons to Frankel being made left, right and centre. Quotes from trainers, owners, jockeys, as good as they get. Performance, everyone's raving about. Movement, breeding, everything is, everyone is raving about everything to do with this horse. But what I want from you three is some realism, please. Some realism. I'm going to start with Brendan because I know he'll go in with the high. I'm going to finish Mm. with TC because I know he'll put a pin in the balloon and I'm going to level out in the middle with Kevin. That's the way this discussion is going to go, okay? So, Brendan, you first. Give us the big one. City of Troy. How impressed were you? 
Well, you want to start with some realism, Vanessa, but I'm afraid you're not going to get it from me. You're going to get some mythology because I, if I've learned anything over the course of this flat season is that you love a quote. And I how do. About, how about a quote from the Iliad, which seems very appropriate for City of Troy? A multitude of rulers is not a good thing. Let there be one ruler, one king. Surely this is the king, right? This is the king in waiting. I mean, what, what a performance, what an absolute joy of a horse he is. Even to watch him go down to the start. I mean, he's barely, he's barely awake. He just lobs down to the start. You could, he's, he's, he's like a child's pony. Uh, but then, of course, in the race, the stone cold killer pings the lids. So he's able to take advantage of the tepid fractions up front. I mean, probably he, he, he given them, He's a horse who's going to excel over a mile and indeed further. He probably would have wanted a stronger pace. But I mean, what's Ryan going to do? You get the soft lead, you take the soft lead. He's he's lobbing away there with his ears pricks, shakes him up two and a half furlongs from home. I think he gave him three backhanders again. We haven't seen a finishing line that he that he hasn't galloped through. Uh, Kevin mentioned that after his debut about uh, Ryan seeing his life flash before his eyes. Just just a ludicrously uh, exciting horse. I suppose if you do want some some realism, we probably could do without the Franco comparisons. Although I say that at the same time, so like what what I, if I live for another thirty years, do you think I'll see a horse as good as Franco? Actually, I probably won't, to be fair. But anyway, I don't hate it when you get an exciting horse to say this could be the next Frankel. Almost certainly isn't. There, there's your bit of realism. But a, a proper horse. And I mean, the talk afterwards um, about the, the the triple crown, which I used to think pre-Camelot was all guff. But now, I mean, with this horse, if he if he puts up the, a similar performance in the guineas, and why wouldn't he? An extra furlong, maybe a stronger pace. He's got to burst through that line. The sire won one won at Belmont. The dam ran in two oaks. I mean, he, he, the, the way he relaxes in his races, I think you get a mile and a half standing on his head. They're, they're not going to have any option but to um, but but to go for the derby. And then if he, if he wins the derby, I, I, I don't know what this obsession with the triple crown is, is all about, but if, if that's what they want, um, the, well, this horse is going to give them a serious chance to get approved as ground versatility at the weekend. I mean, you could just you could just go on and on. It was a, it was a perfect performance from what seems to me a perfect racehorse. Wow, a perfect performance from a perfect racehorse. He's even money for the two thousand guineas. He's nine to four from seven to two for the Derby, and the special offer on the sports book is for City of Troy to win that aforementioned two thousand and twenty four Triple Crown, and he is ten to one. So that's two thousand guineas Derby and St Ledger, a quest which, as Brendan has touched upon, team sort of ownership team, but specifically John Magna has outlined as very much still a mission he would like to complete. Kevin. Um, as Brendan said, it's easy to go on and on and wax lyrical about this horse, but these quotes from Aidan, other than the Frankel comparison, which I feel like is a little bit OTT, the other quotes, let's be honest, we've heard before, <laughs> we have heard before, what makes this horse different? Uh what makes him different? <laughs> well, he's just a smashing horse. He's just a smashing horse. He's got a two-year-old. Why should as we believe? This year. Why should we believe? I, I, I don't really listen to it personally, Vanessa. Like we, you know, we have our own eyes. We have our own judgment. Um, like Aiden, and I, I, I fully believe Aiden's sincere. But like you know him from dealing with him, he just doesn't look behind him. He's always in the moment. You know, and like he, I, I've no doubt he believes what he said about the horse. But we, we can 
exercise a bit more um, a bit more hindsight and everything else and look back and make up our own minds you know that's the beauty of the game we don't have to take everything um, as read from participants and and he is definitely one of the better ones we've seen I think for for since Frankel uh, like the, the Frankel thing is interesting because people say anytime they hear Frankel mention the course they, they, they will get their knickers in a twist generally because I'd be with Brendan I don't think I'll ever see another Frankel but um, perfectly legitimate to compare this fellow to Frankel as a two-year-old who don't forget wasn't even the clear European champion two-year-old of his year. He was joint champion with Dream Ahead, um, the two of them albeit at a, at a very high level. Um, perfectly reasonable comparison to make. Um, this fella is definitely more um, professional, I dare say, than uh, that Frankel was at this stage of his life. Um, very simple, easy ride. Um, you get the impression we we haven't even maybe seen the fullness of his powers yet. I don't think, um, as Brandon mentioned, the, the 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 below average early fractions would be conducive to showing a horse like this to his very best. Um, like I like I think the track was 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 a bit of a learning experience for him. I, I noted there. I watched the back this morning a bit more closely than I was able to at the time. He, he changed legs three times from the from the two furlong pole to the one furlong pole. Um, uh, those weren't his only leg switches, you know. So um, whether that's the ground, um, the dip combination of the two, um, you know, he just wasn't quite comfortable in himself in the moment. Um, but good and powerful once he hit the rising ground. Um, like the ground, like I, I, t- I can't believe what the ground was like. I, I, I checked it last night, and time form had called it soft at that stage. But I see now, and it looks like they've revised it back to good to soft. Which, which is genuinely remarkable because I know I texted into the our group there yeah. on um, Friday night. The rain in Newmarket from five o'clock to eight o'clock like was biblical. The streets were main streets in Newmarket were flooded. Yet the ground seemingly rode the same on Saturday as it did on Friday, which is nuts to me. But um, look, there's I'd say there's no doubt he's going to be more comfortable on better ground. Um, how far will he stay? Like God, there's encouragement on both sides of his pedigree that he'll get the mile and a half. Um, like you, you, you'd love him around Epsom. Like he's he's a medium sized colt, probably no more than that. Um, beautifully balanced, good mover. And um, we'll talk about some other two year olds we saw over the course of the weekend that wouldn't strike you as Epsom types. But if he got that far, if you try, I don't think the track would be an issue. And um, sure, look, he's looked he's looked a bit different from the get go. You know that what he did on debut, that Brent, like as Brendan mentioned there, and um, being so strong in the pull up area, I, I've literally never seen that at the Curra. Um, yeah, I think going going there quite some time. So um, he he just he would get you excited. He would get you excited. Very hard to see a hole at the minute. Okay, yeah, I think just what the, your last point there, TC. One of the of all the quotes, never mind Aidan's or the lads. Actually, for me, one of the big takeaway quotes from the weekend was Ryan Moore's quote about what he did that day through the pull up area at Leopardstown and and to that end pull up zone, mm-hmm. and just the way he worded it um, in terms of like no horse has ever done that with him. Essentially, ran away with that. He caveated it, didn't he, by saying, "Well, it was slowly run, and he only got racing." through the line but just the fact he said that like you know Ryan well how excited do you think he is himself about this prospect oh I think I think what they're saying they absolutely believe it um, right um, what that horse did on Saturday is what they're expecting to do um, so yeah I they really do think they've got an absolute top class horse on his day but it's quite you know it was actually a rate, I think it was actually rated a pound inferior to Henry Longfellow going into that race. So 
you know, who's to say the Henry Longfellow what might step forward again? But I, I, I was digging out some. Obviously, we had the we had the kind of like after race kind of like comparisons to Frankel, and well, they weren't actually comparisons to Frankel, weren't they? You just say this is our Frankels, which is a little bit different. Um, so, but I, I went back and had a look at the Dewhurst winners, and um, I was going to play a game, but I'll just read it out. This is what they said about a certain horse. <laughs> <laughs> After it won the Dewhurst in 2015, something that we've hadn't had before. No doubt, the best two-year-old we've ever had. The size of him, the scope, the way he travels. That horse was a certain Air Force Blue that the previous season bombed out and four to five for the Guineas. In his three-year-old career, north from four, he beat eight out of forty-two rivals, and. We've been down this road before, haven't we? we we've had two roles that didn't really kick on. I mean, immediately after the horse won, I texted into our group, Johannesburg, who was a, probably one of the best two roles I've ever seen back in 2001. Seven out of seven, brilliant in the middle part, went over, uh, won the Breeders' Cup on dirt. And I, I went back and had a look at that race this morning. He actually won pretty much on the bridle there. I mean, actually superstar horse. Again, you know, dog shit at three. I mean, the horse is... Wow. I mean, if you're all backing horses at even money, seven months in advance. I mean, obviously, we don't know what the opposition, we don't know the ground, et cetera, but likely it is. What is he going to be? He can't be much shorter than twos on, on his uh, in the guineas. And do you want to be bucking a horse at evens now, when he, he seven months on the line, when it gets there on the day, you can back it at twos on? I mean, it's kind of like it's, but that's his price because I was amazed to go on the exchange and see he's 2.1 to lay for the guineas. So, Evens is his price. I think it's an absolutely bizarre price. Um, but then, but then, but again, if you believe the connections and what they were saying is, is what I'm told is how they actually feel, rather than just a an advert kind of like filler. Um, yeah, maybe he deserves to be even money, but okay, madness. No, can't have it. Madness price, but essentially none of us have really actually thrown cold water on this performance, which I'm in a way pleased about. It's well, nice well, to have. Well, I was going to save that till we, we, we do the Godolphin horses about putting these performances into context, but we'll, we'll, we'll come on to the Godolphin two-year-olds in a moment. Okay, yeah, we will. Let's just cover Ylang Ylang if we're talking about Aidan O'Brien's two-year-olds. Obviously, he also won the Phillies Mile, the group one for the Phillies the day before. Brendan, uh, she was back to winning ways and justified a bit of faith and confidence from Aidan, I thought, in the quotes prior to Friday in terms of he believed that he could get this horse back from that Rockfell flop and reverse the form with a couple of the others. And now Ylang Ylang is tens. From 33s for the 1,000 guineas after that Phillies mile win. Uh, do we, we were excited about her a few starts back. We've gone cold on her. Are we reinvigorated by her now? Oh, definitely. I mean, whatever happened in the Moy Glare, I didn't, didn't hear what, what, what the problem was, but she clearly had some physical issue in the Moy Glare. And then seven furlongs of the Rockfell, she was running on at the end. It wasn't a desperate run that uh, I didn't fa- fa- fancy her at the weekend, I have to, I have to say, but um, showed a lot of heart to overcome inexperience. That Shuari seems like a very solid stick. I'd say it's, it's genuine form. Whether she'd be quick enough for a guineas on on normal Newmarket ground, one of the driest places in England, in England as 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 we know, Newmarket. So on quick ground at a one thousand guineas, I think she might be done for a bit of toe, but a very legitimate Oaks prospect, big scope, big filly, 
I'd say there's a real chance she'll, she'll, she'll stay a mile and a half and clearly has plenty of heart. Okay, Kev, did you? I heard you saying on ITV, I think you thought Shawaru's been a bit unlucky again, did you? Um, well, look, it was it was a tough watch now if you were with her. Um, yeah. Like, through no, fault, through no fault of her own, she got carried right across the track. Um, the eventual winners had had to take a little check as well um, with uh, Seat of Fire, like, hanging quite badly. And, like, I'd say, like, in truth, like, there's probably not low at a mile. There's probably very little between Ylang Ylang and Shawari. You know, the, the extra furlong was a big, a big thing for Ylang Ylang because, um, you know, you would have seen on the previous start that like she did get like quite outpaced before coming home really well. Um, and, and you know, Shawari looked to have a bit more pace than her here over the mile, but um, the extra furlong just, just to give her a chance for that stamina to get rolling. And she went and nipped them close home. Like it's obviously it won't happen. But if they were to rematch again in three weeks, like on a on a, on a track like Newmarket, I suspect it would be very tight. And I'd nearly favour um, Shawari to be honest over that course and distance. But um, to me, as Brendan said there, like I I'd probably see Ylang Ylang as more of an Oaks Philly longer term. I'd say that okay. that'll really be her bag. There, there's enough encouragement in the pedigree, um, by the aforementioned Frankel. And um, you know, go back to some 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 very nice horse, Viva Pataka there. Um, very good horse in Hong Kong, um, over okay. middle distances. And you'd think that'd be her that'd be her bag, but um no job done group one at, at two. Um I was sick for Ali Sangster and <laughs> Bud Shawari. First season would have been some job to get a, a group one winner in his first season, but um three nice fillies. I wouldn't forget about the third either seat of fire. She clearly did plenty wrong here now, but um, there, there's lots of ability there and she wouldn't have, um, you know, that was only her third run. So um, there's promise for more to come from her. See the stars out of a Dubai mayor, out of Arabian Queen, no less. Um, she'll hope she'll surely drive on next year. So, yeah, three nice fillies, but um, the strongest there won the day. Strongest there won the day in Ylang Ylang. Looking at her more as an Oaks prospect. And then if we're focusing in on Epsom for next year, then the other market mover in the Derby was Ancient Wisdom, who's been cut to 12 to 1 from 33s as we move on to the boys in blue and their performances over the weekend. He was probably the headline act for Godolphin winning the Autumn Stakes. Um, a mile on soft ground, he's clearly a staying type, Kev. But I think this must be the horse you were talking about in relation to maybe not being an Epsom horse. I was, um, you know, that knee action is looked very exaggerated, I thought, specifically coming down the dip. I mean, good performance, obviously, but you can't help but feel that he's not as fluid mover as you'd like to go to somewhere like Epsom. Yeah, and look, if you're if if the the the, the talk of actions and and level of knee etc. kind of mystifies you, you know, this would be a good one to teach yourself with because you wouldn't get um to try and train your eye a bit because you wouldn't get a, a much more of an exaggerated knee action than this. Um, and look, it's not to say horses with knee action can't win derbies. Um, you know, High Chaparral lifted his knee a bit, but it, it wouldn't be typically what you'd want, and especially not when this exaggerated, and especially not if the ground was um, in any way good or better. Um, yeah. High Chaparral got, got a bit of an ease famously when he won the derby. Um, but look, besides that, um, look, this this was a good, strong staying performance. Uh, I like the Colt in second. Um, you know, I, there's no reason to think he didn't run his race. He, he was rated 103 coming in. And um, an ancient wisdom fairly well kicked him out of the way. So, um, the, where he ends up and what they do with him and what 
plan they, they, they map out for him could be quite interesting um, I didn't get to hear any of the post-race interviews I don't know if, they, if they're if they considering him for any of the, the late season group ones in France you know, there's one over a mile and one over 10 furlongs they're coming up quite soon um, but yeah look I, you'd imagine he's going to be a middle distance horse next year um, looking at his pedigree um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see where he ends up. Now, did, did he did he like really light my fire? Um, no, personally, not for me. But um, look, he's clearly driving on, and uh, that for the form of that um, the Pat Hedry stakes is working out all right. Italian, yeah, she, yeah, my yeah. God, yeah, it's it worked out yeah. unbelievably well. A few fellas went home was... upset, upset that day, but geez, it's worked yeah. out well. <laughs> TC was ancient wisdom, wisdom the one you wanted to jump in on as well when talking about the Godolphin horses. Yeah, just very quickly, obviously. You've got City of Troy beating a 107-rated horse by three and a half lengths with a 98-rated horse only a length back in third. Everyone obviously going massively overboard about that. Well, if not overboard, gushing. But you've got this horse, the Godolphin horse, beat a 103-rated horse by three and three-quarter lengths, which, which clearly puts him just on the bare figures puts him about £3 below City of Troy. Mate, you can guarantee the ratings, boys, for the headlines are going to go one two five City of Troy. Are they going to go one two one this Godolphin horse? No. Hold on, Tony. You're suggesting that the ratings, boys, will be influenced by such things. Headline grabbing? No. Yeah, no, I mean, like sure, I said, we, we're surely cold-hearted numbers, man, that would never do such a thing. Yeah, but, you surely know, not. But, uh, well, we, we give City of Troy £8 for the win because Brendan likes it, that kind of stuff. Aiden says he had a jet engine. Stick on an extra yeah, £5. Pounds. Just two exceptional judges. <laughs> that was it. Mate, like the gun the horse. On numbers, three to four pound behind the city of Troy. Will that be reflected in, in the ratings? No. Should it be? Yeah, no, actually, Maybe. Okay. Those, uh, just 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 to, to round off that um that stream of consciousness I had a second ago. Um he is actually in both of those group ones at France, but they're next weekend, so I assume they'll come much too quick. Okay. Um Brendan, I know you wanted to give a mention to another good old two-year-old winner in Arabian Crown. I noticed he had a futurity entry up at Doncaster, might come mm. a bit quick as well. Um, but you, were you impressed with him? Another Appleby two-year-old sort of got going this weekend on a weekend sponsored by, of course, Dali. Yeah, I mean, massively impressed was the Zetland Stakes granted, which I associate with Mark Johnson horses who end up being hurdlers. But I do, <laughs> I do, I do take that. I, I, I did really like that Gasper Dilemos in the Curra, and he travelled an awful lot better in Newmarket than he did in in, in the Curra, as you would expect. He's a horse who's clearly just learning, and I thought he was going to. I actually thought he was going to win the race, but I mean, Arabian Crown. He won five and a half lengths. He could have won ten lengths. He was geared down for the last half of Burlong. He's just a horse. It was the, that, that was the fourth run of his life. He's just improving hand over fist. And I, I, I still, I, I could be wrong, of course, Gasper and Lemos might be no good, but I suspect he'd be a, a, a decent middle distance horse uh, up, up to group level. And uh, I just thought that was a massive run from Arabian Crown and worth a note. Just to round yeah, off with the Godolphin two-year-olds, I mean, obviously he had dance sequence winning the Oso Sharp, but take a look at uh, Devoted Queen. Uh, when the maiden, and that's a kingman half sister to one ruler, and just Charlie Appleby must be absolutely delighted. Obviously, everyone was everyone was all woe, all woe about Charlie about two or three weeks ago. He's he's now won with seven of his last nine horses. Five of them were one group threes. The other one won a Grade Two. 
And he's got this maiden with a devoted queen, which is was very impressive. I thought probably more impressive going forwards than the Oso Shark winner. So yeah, this, well done, this, Charlie. this weekend for me kind of summarized the season in terms of the two-year-olds as a whole, e.g. Aidan O'Brien having a dominance on the very, very top draw. And then Appleby with nice horses, but you know. Aiden's got the cream of the crop, it would seem, and then that played out this weekend. But who knows how that will transform into next season? I did think, Brendan, that Skellet was probably the big eye catcher from the Oso oh Sharp. Messy little race that, and obviously already mentioned Darn Sequence, the winner. Mm. But my eye, I don't know the position that she came from. I thought she was worth a, a mention because she missed the break. Yeah, uh, and then she was sort of ridden up, and then I don't know. I just thought, they, I mean, the winner in the second came from totally different positions. I just thought she put in a shift to get to where she got to. Yeah, no, no, interesting. And it was three lengths back to the third. I'd say they're two decent fillies, but I probably would just disagree with you. I thought it was a big run from Dan Sequence second time okay. up because uh, Buick had to do a job to get her settled early. She learned an awful lot from that and she was uh, f- fairly unbalanced in the dip. Again, the undulations in Newmarket are tough for any horse and, and, and on your, your your second start. But um, I, th- I thought she was reasonably well on top of the line and overcame some adversity in the race. So I just about take her out of the race. But I, I'd say Skelet's a decent filly too. Okay. Um, right. We're going to do one one person rattles through for the other horse that we're going to mention. Uh, Morge, Kevin. Good performance from her over in America in the Queen Elizabeth Challenge Cup over the nine furlongs at Keeneland. Has opened up options for her at the mile for the Breeders' Cup and the Phillies and Mares, but probably just a nod towards the training Um plan of action here with her obviously not seen since the 1000 guineas very much a forgotten classic winner this season and then they go over there they rob a nice grade one and she's all teed up for a breeders cup it's it's an, been an interesting uh season for her yeah no fair play to charlie i was oh, sorry he pins the roar i nearly had you i nearly had you yeah. Um, the yeah fair fair play to them now because the you know we did um Say so takes a bit of a backseat to Charlie these days, and in, in fairness, doesn't he? And this wouldn't have been an easy task, I'd say. Um, things have clearly not gone overly well. And um, yeah, back in action. I don't think she would have had to have run to her new market form to win this, but uh, hopefully she'll build on it. And um, yeah, Breeders Cup, here we come. Uh, TC, what about the Shunter winning the Cesarevich at 14s, was it, in the end? Um, for Emmett Mullins, once again, plaudits to the trainer, plan well executed. We're going to be, we've said this time and time again with Emmett and we'll be saying it time and time again with him. Um, did you, did, was he, was he one of your fancies? No. Did you in no. any way like him for this? The, no? the, the boy yeah, Carter probably won, so he wouldn't be one That's of my it. fancies at the moment. Um, <laughs> oh, TC. Yeah. No, we won't go into that. Um, just very quickly before I go on to that, I mean, obviously Emmett just, Obviously, he's just different gear, isn't he? Um, and no matter what he does, you know, he, like I say, he's unorthodox and, you know, he just pays dividends time and time again. Just coming back to Moore, it's really interesting. Yeah. We talk a lot about, we might talk about the, the talent drain in this country and, you know, in Ireland as well to, to a lesser degree. But it's interesting, the horse that Moore beat uh, in second and was a certain French Guineas runner-up, uh, which is now running in the US. And interestingly, the fourth in that race was the pre-St. Allery fourth. 
uh, Prince and Allery runner-up, Elusive Princess. So the second and the fourth are both Group 1 horses in France this year are now rocking up in, in America. So, you know, the, the talent drain is just not a factor in this country. It's kind of like, obviously, in France as well. But, yeah, uh, yeah very, very good performance. Um, what can you say? He's, he was actually very, very weak in the market, actually. Uh, the Shanti was a lot shorter in the week. He was trading in the 20s. Uh, in the mid-20s, just before, got shortened a little bit before the off. But yeah, very good performance and clearly a brilliant, brilliant trainer. Brendan, I feel like Emmett could be, Emmett Mullins could be your sort of guy. If you had a horse in training, would you have it with Emmett Mullins? Um, well, <laughs> yeah, it, it would depend how well I was going. If I was having a horse in training to land a torch, I probably wouldn't have it with, with him because he wouldn't tell me when the, the, the day was the day. Yeah. But if uh, if I was just uh, having, having, having horses to win races and maximise their potential, yes, you could you could legitimately... Uh, you could legitimately go go to him, but uh, his his left hand doesn't know what his right hand is doing. Um, <laughs> so which, which, I always I always remember which is, which is the way to have it. There was a lot of talk that they had a um, on the literally on the button touch with Noble Yates because if you remember that was like trading at eighties and odd went off at fifties industry SP the Betfair SP there I think there was one big player right on the off and that Noble Yates returned at Betfair SP at twenty eight to one that day. But uh, yeah, I um, yeah, I, uh, I I wouldn't necessarily uh, uh, yeah, I would agree with Brendan. But there might be a better trainer closer to home, Brendan. Surely. Yes, yes. I no, no, no. I'd have my pick of trainers. I just have to get a job so I can earn some money to buy the horse. That's the <laughs> Your dog sitting, uh, Brendan. Your yeah, dog yeah. sitting. You're earning uh, yeah, well, I, 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 Absolutely. You see, a lot of prominent owners came from that background, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. did I say 200 euros? I meant 200 euros of poor. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 300, not two. Um, I bought him a Pied Piper, Vanessa. Future, you know, what a way for him to, uh, to, to, a step for him to take on the ladder on the way to his champion hurdle glory. A massive run from, from the second Pied Piper. Um, what I'm referring to there is I, I put him up on a, a National Hunt preview I was doing last week as kind of a, I can surely put, so I say Constitution Hill is going to win and move on. I thought I'd fi- try and find a sneaky each way one, you know, because we know there's going to be like six runners in it. And I put up Pied Piper at 66 to 1. Didn't think it was a mental thing to do. I haven't got as much abuse for putting up a tip in a long, oh. long time. It was absolutely, I just couldn't believe it. Like, geez, these lads not understand each way. These lads not understand each way, but <laughs> I, I thought he ran great. I didn't fancy him on Saturday. I don't think he's a real dour stare. And um and Ryan rode him very quietly, I'd say, with that in mind. And uh, in fairness, it was a, it was a big performance from him now. So um yeah. first was Zarawich and then on to the champion hurdle, Vanessa. God forbid any of us say something that might be slightly outside the box thinking, hey? I, I thought on. I'd get more stick just for saying Constitution, just Constitution Hill wins, move on. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. There you go. Um, no okay. for original thought these days. Guys, we've got loads of news topics to rattle through. So does anyone have anything to add in the jumping division? Um, obviously, it was nice to have some decent jump horses back, specifically Captain Teague for Paul Nichols winning the Persian War on Hurdles debut. But that was pretty much as predicted. Uh, pretty short price, returned five to six favourite, kind of bolted up, did it nicely. Jump he wanted well. to sharpen up his jumping though, Vanessa. Like he, he missed a uh, couple. I know it was his hurdle debut, I- but... I didn't get. I don't get the impression. Well, he's an optimistic thinker, isn't he? But down here today, there's obviously been a debrief about him mentioned this morning, and I don't get the impression they're in any way worried. Like Hurdle's debut, lots of schooling to come. 
He, ju- he can jump. He just missed the yeah, three, right? But, but, and he was good at the last two, which was yeah. very important. So, when yeah. your boy... Oh, I had a great time with Cobden this morning, Brendan. Forgot to tell you that. Did he show you his cattle? No, he didn't <laughs> show me his cattle. But <laughs> you'd, have been, you'd have been jealous. You'd have been jealous. Oh, I, I, uh, yeah. I am jealous. Yeah, yeah. What a yeah. man. What a, I was going to make a joke about his cattle prod, but we need to move no, on. No, no. DC. Um, let's move on I think we're probably done it, raise your hand if you've got something to add about those jumpers stolen silver oh go on then TC before we move uh, Captain yeah. Teague's named after my son yeah there you go <laughs> is that right is that actually correct yeah my name his, his name's Captain yes <laughs> move on topics 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 right we've rushed on to the topics because there obviously was a huge news week in racing um lots of different news strands kind of overshadowed by the other so we've rattled the list down and we're going to kick off with the changes to the grand national that were released midweek by the bha um Divided opinions, it would seem, to the changes announced to the Grand National. That obviously included a reduction of runners from 40 to 34, moving the start closer to the first fence to slow them down over the first, and moving the start time of the race for optimal ground conditions. Those were kind of the three big takeaways from the changes. Feels like there's very much two sides of the fence here, and very few people are sitting on the fence, e.g. you either approve of the changes and you're happy that we're doing something to appease the masses, so to speak, or you're the other side of the fence and you think we shouldn't be fiddling with it and we'll tinker away until it becomes a hurdle race, essentially. I want the boys' opinions. Rounded views, please. TC, I'm going to start with you here. Which side of the fence did you fall on? Uh, I'm sitting on it, so it's just collapsed. So uh, it's a level playing field now. Uh, I, I, look, I can see. I love a. I love to get. Oh, go overboard about stuff, but I can see both sides here. I can see. Well, I, I can see. You know, they want to make it safer. They want to make sensible changes. But I can see the other uh, the other side of the coin. Just saying, you know, where's this going to stop? Will we get a fatality next year? Um, I can see it. I, I really can see it. The one. Glaring issue I have, apart from again not being invited to this discussion uh, from the BHA, who, who are very selective and who they invite to to these kind of like media briefings. I uh, was representing the podcast, TC. The podcast was represented. I well, was, yeah. Well, you know, that, that's, that's, <laughs> it's they only you know they only invite their own. <laughs> um, I don't think I well, count as their own, but they don't invite their own. I'll let the other two kind of have the go because obviously we're time conscious, and I haven't really got a, a massive opinion. But what I will say is, is it right that Jockey Club Racecourses refused to actually uh, release the internal discussion? And working document on this. If that's the case, then that's wrong. What did they? Well, they, obviously they've had six months of you know, um, you know, fact finding. Presumably, kind of like getting people in to do the time analysis and do all the other analysis. Am I right in think? Am I right in saying that on that media briefing, whatever they refused to release the that working document that came to these conclusions? Did they? Um, did you, they they oh, produced some they of them. I, they produced some of the numbers, and I don't know if they. Yeah, but the numbers, but they refused to believe. Are you the release the full working document, which surely is 
transparency is all we want because we want to know how they came to these conclusions in its entirety. Kev, you were you were there for the you were on the call, was it for the big media release? Is that what you were involved in? Yeah, um, yeah. Were you surprised by the changes? Actually, is the straight up question I want you to answer. Um, the three changes no. as a whole. No, okay. no, look, the, the word came out the day before the briefing that there was going to be a briefing and there was going to be changes and kind of played a game of guessing what the changes might be. And my guess was that I thought they might reduce it to 30, um, but they didn't go quite that far. Um, but it was clearly too far for Manny. And look, I, I, I get it. Look, I, I get both sides of this as well. But like for me, like I don't think the changes that they brought in are, are really a big deal. Um, in terms of their actual impact on the race. And that, that works both ways. I don't think it's going to take away from um, the spectacle and I don't think it's going to reduce the risks associated with it massively, but they will reduce them a little bit. Um, and look, I was happy with them. I think the the the, the rationale behind the changes makes sense to me. And, um, and look, on we go. You know, there'll be... If I just the, 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 when you get the response on the other side of this to me, i.e., that, that that don't agree with them and think it's um it's the wrong way to go. Like I, I just think those arguments were ones to be had like ten years ago, you know, post twenty twelve, when they completely fundamentally changed the structure of the fences and made a whole load of other changes, and you know, post nineteen eighty nine, when they did the same thing again, you know, and completely changed features, etc. Like there's been way way bigger changes made to the national than these. Um, and the the very fact that anything is being changed, I don't think is a real reason to go to war over it. Um, what happens if we have two fatalities next year? You know, they'll say the same thing that always happens. We go away and look at it and see if there's any improvements we can make. Um, like the standing start is the one that I'm, I'm a little bit, little bit reserved about. I want to see how that works in, in practice because I just, you, you picture it in your mind and it looks lovely, but when you get down to the start, in April there, will there be a whole heap of jockeys that want to line up in the, the outer half of the line, if you know what I mean? It could be, it might not work as smoothly as one would hope it will, but that'll ultimately come down to the jockeys. Um, but look, I, I, I don't mind. Look, I think we have to be, we have to be constantly looking at things and making, looking to, looking to make marginal gains, um, even if they are just little small things, because um, look, that's, that's the way the world goes. I think it's important to be seen to be doing that, especially when you're dealing with um, something as emotive and controversial as the Grand National, and look as I as I would always say in conversations like this, like this isn't just about the Grand National, like this is our front line in in the battle for uh, the retention of horse racing social license. So we need to get it right. We need to be seen to be doing the right thing, and um, ultimately we'll get to April, and we'll all do the same thing as we always do. We'll hide behind our couch and hope for a bit of good luck because. Um, when you're dealing with a race like that, it is literally the flip of a coin. Um, as to whether you have a clean renewal or a messy one, um, yeah, such as I the mean, risks and nature of it. Yeah, I mean, Brendan, these changes, as Kevin's very eloquently put there, really, they are only minor changes. Mm. You know, 34 runners, public perception of that is still a hell of a lot of horses rattling around the oh, national yeah. course. Um, you know, no, none of the general public are going to care that the start is a little bit nearer the first fence or that mm. the off time is at a different time. Let's just be honest. Those changes have been made uh, as a nod towards trying to make the race safer. But we all know that it's only... Uh, they've only decreased the chance of injury by a fraction because 
in any horse race, there's a there's a risk of injury and casualty as a result. So these very minor changes, as much as anything, they appease people who say that we're not moving with the times. The safety mm. of the race, it's not it's not a wholly safer race now because of these minor changes, is it? Yeah, well, that's what I would question, whether it does actually appease those those people. Um, no, no matter what you do, I'm not sure that they'll be happy. And that's the argument for, for drawing a line in the sand. Um, again, I wouldn't go to, to, to war over, or this, over this race. I, whatever with the general public, I'm not sure I'll be able to tell the difference between 34 runners and 40 runners. They did a great job with the changes to the fences in fairness of, I mean, they're basically holograms now of, of the fences they were, but it still looks good. So it's still going to look like a big field over big fences. I'm not sure I'd be able to tell, tell a massive difference. The only slight thing I, was, I, I thought was a, a bit weird was they said they were going to have some committee and look into horses' previous jumping as to whether it was a suitable candidate for the Grand National, well, they should look at Pino DeRay when they uh, adjusted the fences, and he basically didn't jump one of them and still won the thing. The secret uh-huh. to the age, the secret to the uh, Grand National now is not getting too high on with them because you can just kick them out of the way. Yeah, I remember. I remember Tiger Roll absolutely decimated every fence that yeah. chase, <laughs> and like on that grounds, it only takes one idiot on one of these BHA or JCR committees. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, that horse can't jump, and we wouldn't have had the modern day story. Well, I do think forty to thirty-four is a big story, um, but yeah, I don't have I don't have a massive amount. But it's quite interesting about how the Grand National is in the public consciousness. I don't know if you know, there's a program on. Um, in this country called Only Connect. I think it's on eight o'clock on Mondays. And they had a question on the Grand National. Very easy question, but they didn't get it, obviously. Uh, they, it know. was the sponsors of the Grand National. Yeah, sponsors. Yeah, Martel, Crabby. Very yeah. easy. I mean, wasn't that easy. You're a racing manager, you got it first off. They asked the six, six contestants if they'd ever watched the Grand National. And they were in their 20s and their 30s, maybe early 40s. And not one of them said uh, they've even watched the race. So Really? Yeah. It was odd. Lordy Lord. Well, um, let's roll on whilst we're talking about changes to races. It'll lead us nicely onto the UK fixture list, which was finally announced this week by the BHA. Um, what are the main takeaways, TC? I know you've been waiting for this. The word premierization has been banded around plenty. What that means to weekend racing specifically. Uh, what were your big takeaways from the release of the UK fixture list? Again, I was very disappointed because nothing in it really massively offended me. Um, <laughs> I think, obviously, they wanted to go a lot further, didn't they? But obviously, the race courses pretty much said do one when they asked to make some significant cuts to the uh, to the schedule. Obviously, we've got a few less jumps fixtures, but they're going to make up for that in dividing a lot more races. So how many... How many less races we're going to get is is a moot point. Um, not a fan of the morning fixtures. Not a fan of the uh, Sunday evening fixtures. But then again, we're only talking about five or six, and it is a trial. But a lot of people would see that as a, a cynical route into racing behind closed doors, effectively in the future. Um, yeah, but the, my main takeaway is, well, you know, premierization and things like that. Are we going to have the horse population to service it? And I understand that they're you know gearing up all the extra money to the top end, 
But I've that's the that's the one area where I've got a big issue with because if they're if they're giving the bottom end peanuts and they're giving the top end and they don't need it. And I understand it's a it's a long-term thing about you know keeping horses in this country, etc. If you are just giving the, the bottom end a three percent increase, it's gonna do nothing for the integrity of the sport. And it's and if you're giving more money to owners that where prize money isn't a real consideration if they run. I've just got a fundamental problem with, with with that distribution of the extra money that's coming into the sport. But on the whole, fair play to the BHA for doing something. I've got a few minor quibbles, but um, yeah, fair play to them. And you know, if they've given it a two months, a two year trial. Then, then fair enough. I look, no no main concerns. Okay, Kev, can you summarise for our listeners and viewers what premierisation? of British horse racing now looks like now that we've set eyes or you've set eyes on the fixture list? Um, well, it's sort of a two-tier system really, isn't it? And they're, they're loading up the prize money in a, in the higher tier and they're looking to put them in um, better slots, you know, less cluttered spots. Um, look, like fundamentally, I, 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 I'm not buying into the concept of premierization in itself. I like some of the okay. steps within. I like I like most of the steps within it. I just I, just, I would have... Um, worries that it won't work as intended. You know, as we've talked about before, when we talk about the the equine talent drain, like I, I don't think you you could double all prize money tomorrow, but it's not going to stop. You know, maiden winners getting sold for four hundred grand. You know, it's just not going to stop that. You you get four times the prize money, and it's probably not going to stop that. So, um, I think that's going to be a difficult a difficult tide to um to fight against. But like, look, a lot of the steps they're taking here with these moves are the, the right steps in the right direction. And they're just not as long a stride as you'd like, if you know what I mean. And we understand why that's happened. You know, we know all about the kind of the fragile power structures of British racing and um, the power that race courses hold, etc. If they kept, if they went in and tried to be really, um, really aggressive um, and do, you know, make the changes to the extent they probably need to be made, the whole thing would have got shot down and never went anywhere. So mm. um, as, a, as a testing process of this new power structure that they put in place, um, look, they've, they've got it over the line. The fixture list is there. Um, you know, morning racing. Yeah. You know, the Sunday is great. Um, not so much Sunday evenings. Um, but look, there, there's a lot to like about it. I think it's the, the right steps, really. You hope it builds okay. from here and you hope that the next time they go at it, that um, they might wield a bigger axe um, in terms of number of fixtures, number of races, um, because look, that's, you know, especially over jumps, that's ultimately what we need is um, is less racing and finding a way to achieve that within the current power structures where the race courses are good and strong. You know, that'll ultimately be the challenge. You know, is this a process... Um, That'll ultimately end up in court. Will will they keep, will they keep one wonders if you're trying to put on your your um your your your, your view into the future goggles? Um, you know, will will this process end with um one of a number of race courses, a group of race courses basically rearing up and say, no, we're not copping these fixture these fixture cuts, and we're going to take you to court over it, and we'll have um, a replay of what we saw, whatever it was, twenty plus years ago, that has ultimately put us in the in the spot we are now, could that be the end game or could everyone get on happily, Vanessa, see the bigger picture and do inverted commas, the right thing. And um, it's probably a big price, but you never know. Wouldn't that be nice? Hey? Wouldn't that be nice? Um, Brendan, big news, the biggest news, surely the biggest shock mm. of the whole week, mm. the biggest shock of the week, month, year, 
we get the news that Frankie is doing a U-turn on mm. his retirement mm. and he's off to relocate to LA to ride yeah. in California mainly and he's yes. not retiring. Three months, three years, could be any amount of time. He's off Absolutely. to enjoy himself over there. And obviously I say that with a tone, the intro to that with a tone of sarcasm because of course it wasn't a huge shock to many people. Um, are you that was the worst, the worst kept secret racing, according to some Vanessa. We should we all didn't we? According um, to some, isn't, isn't, isn't that just a dose when people say that? Your know, worst kept secret racing, yeah. everyone do that. Didn't you they? know what I found so funny? Always unacceptable. <laughs> you know what I found so funny about this is the they're like. I want to say men, but I'm going to not say men because I'll get told off that. The racing journalists in our sport who were falling over themselves to make sure they got across in a super unsubtle way that they already knew about it. Do you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of people dropping in. Well, when I had dinner last week or when I spoke to Frankie last month or I was with so-and-so's agent six months ago, like there was a lot of that, wasn't there? Everyone was falling yeah. over themselves. Um, so I got some amusement out of that. But obviously the story being that he's off to California, not retiring, relocation. Brendan, are you obviously look stupid to ask? Are we surprised? None of us are surprised that he's doing this U-turn. But are you pleased? that he's doing the U-turn, that we'll still get to see Frankie on a world stage. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's, he's, he's brilliant for the game. Now, go out and speak to the gen pop who, who've never seen the Grand National, uh, but do like, uh, uh, not pointless, uh, only connection, I say. Um, name two jockeys, and they're probably going to say Frankie Dottori and Rachel Blackmore. So, so, so keep him in the game. I just am a bit curious because Tony has mentioned in previous dispatches about his limited workload uh, in 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 the UK, um, are they going to accept that in California? He's a 52 year old man. Maybe he doesn't think he can put the work in, but if he's going to try and make his bones over there, they might want to ride in eight and ten races a day. Is he going to be able to keep up that workload? Would be my slight concern. <laughs> a workload concern for the <clears throat> semi-retired. No, um, I tell you what is going to be a concern is next Saturday. What a dare I say, shit show that's going to be for broadcasters oh. and pundits a, and presenters alike. Well, like, imagine, right? Imagine that. So Frankie's saying it's going to be his last time riding at Ascot. No, so on that basis, we all have to act like it's... No, you don't have to act. It's kind of, this is really... I saw an interview with Ollie Bell on ITV, clipped it up and put it on social media. And he was basically lying his arse off. He said, oh, I I haven't made a decision about it. I want to get the Kentucky Derby out of the way before I decide to, to come here. If you find anybody and lay you fours on about him riding at Royal Ascot last year, you know, you, you'd shock both ne- of their arms. Next, off, next year, yeah. Yeah, so the, 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 the sports book are eight. Probably a bet at eight's on, in fairness. Eight? So, so we the all know. Eight's on, Paddy Barry. It's not like people going on Twitter saying, oh, Oh, give me even money, rise at Ascot like next year. Yeah, yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you evens tomorrow's Tuesday. For fuck's sake. <laughs> so to be clear, we are all expecting him to be back at Royal Ascot almost certainly next year, if not at some point, right? Yeah. And yet next Saturday, ITV, Sky Sports Racing, all the broadcasters, are, like, how do they play it? Because you can't well, lie. They should play it like journalists and just just say it as it is. All those yeah, imagine, it's, imagine it's, the ITV. Imagine the ITV VT. They have got ready to go to say farewell, Frankie, to Ascot. 
because well, that's the line. Are they going to play it? Well, I think, I think the, 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 whole, the whole thing. He's done a mail co- uh, column. I can't believe we're right for the Daily Mail, by the way. Uh, I think Ed Chamin did a Daily Mail column last week just saying 100% he's going to turn up to Royal Ascot next year. So right. how are ITV going to play it? They're going to play it by telling the truth and asking yeah. him a direct question. Like the whole thing is just very awkward for everyone, isn't it? Because you know what's it's happened awkward. here. Like I, it is I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt. I would genuinely wouldn't wouldn't doubt Frankie's sincerity when he announced it. You know, it had been a rough season. Gosden relationship looked like it was on the rocks. Um, you know, announce you retire because you know it's been a little bit like going on a diet or something. You know, if you go on social media and tell everyone you're going on a diet, you know, holds you a little bit to account. You know, and he probably because Frankie didn't really want to retire, but he said the time is probably right if I announce it. I'll stick to it. You know, that was probably some of the thought yeah, process. Yeah. We'll have a we'll have a bit of crack along the way as we get there. Maybe earn a few quid as well. But this season has just gone brilliantly well, in fairness, far in excess of what he was probably expecting. And he's got to halfway through the season and kind of going, oh feck. You know, this is this is awkward. This is awkward. And we all know we're all probably guilty of it sometimes. No. You know, there's an elephant in the room, you feel a bit awkward and you keep your mouth shut and you probably should be opening it. Yeah. And that's what's happened, I, Frankie, here. And now he's got to pretend thing, that Kev, it's... Uh, is that like, we shouldn't have had... Like, if if he gets to mid, if he got to mid season, let's say it was mid season and he's like, yeah, I'm going to retire. I'm not going to retire, sorry. Like, the right thing to do would be to put your hands up and do it there not like carry on with a fake farewell tour, get Champions Day geared up for farewell to Frankie. A lot of people have put a lot of time, money and effort into farewell to Frankie, mm. all whilst he was sitting on the fact that he knew he wasn't going to retire. That's yeah, the bit. It's, 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 no it's, 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 it's poor media, Vanessa. The poor <laughs> media. That's the who suffers. poor media. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I tell you um, bit, of, bit of business of the year. Will have to be given to um, this old race course, won't it? Like, what a yes. day yeah. <laughs> Fair play to them. Well played, them. Tell you, right. Okay. Before we before we move on, I, I just had a thought about it. I've just checked my text. The one person that comes out of this with a with a with a kind of like a shining light over him, a Healy. No, no, no. I, the Betfair, the Betfair media, uh, the copy, uh, the copy team that I work with wanted a story, so they asked me to get. Ryan's thoughts about Frankie. Now, Ryan's very, very friend, uh, friendly with Frankie. In fact, they're best mates. And uh, so the answer I got back from uh, Ryan, I shouldn't really say this, but it, it's quite amusing. And it's everyone would agree, everyone would kind of like agree. I've got fuck all to say at this point. <laughs> yes. so, I, so basically, Frankie, uh, Ryan was right. Just Keep you quiet. knew, Tony, you knew. Let him do his stuff and then we'll answer at the end of the season. That's the, that's the answer back when I pressed. Let's okay. come back in November, he said, Ryan. But yeah, yeah. it's true, Ryan, true before. Buckle to say at this point. Ryan Moore's rarely wrong, I get the impression. Um, so last story of the week then goes to a story that I don't think has been really in the news headlines as such, but is a story that was flagged up by our very own TC on our WhatsApp group. Um, you're going to flesh this out, but essentially racegoers being swabbed on their way into the race course at Newmarket on Saturday. Uh, TC, I'm just going to hand this baton over to you because you were getting feedback from somebody at the track. Sounded like a pretty shocking race-goer well, experience. He did kind of like row back there. It was actually Friday. Um, Friday, sorry. And Friday. he got in touch with me 
uh, on Twitter, and I just said, let's take it to DMs. And, and he just, and I, I actually sent through the whole discussion. Um, just to be clear, just a general race goer. Yeah. A- so basically, he, he went to he went to Newmarket on Friday and was told to get into a queue, queue and there were 20 police there, uh, and they had to be... Um, he, he actually said a smear test, but he was actually, he, like I said, when I actually <laughs> investigated him, uh, sorry, I just um, had a discussion with him. He actually just said, actually, it was a chemical strip. But the race course is an artist's police to turn up to actually test people for over 30 substances before they can get in. Now, apparently, and he was really, really kind of like taken aback by it. He said it was heavy-handed, he said there's a lot of people in the queue that was was similarly upset about this kind of intrusion. Uh, so he asked the police, he said, what are you going to use this for? And he said, well, and he was worried about cross-contamination. So even though that cash isn't a big factor these days, but, you know, if you're paying for anything or you're touching anything, you know, cocaine is kind of like rife in our society. So you could easily have it on your on your person. I mean, Arshie Murphy, for God's sake. But so... The problem is here is um, he wanted to know what this information was. Will it be held? Uh, the last I spoke to him, he actually emailed the uh, the race and say, what, what's going on here? What are you going to do with this information? Um, and apparently the race, it was up to the race course's discretion whether they let people in who were who, who had tested positive. And apparently this guy said he hung around and he said quite a lot of people tested positive. So whether or not they got in, I don't know. And, I think the backdrop to this is it was on Jihad Day, wasn't it? I mean, Hamas had Hamas has, has said on the Friday, you know, this is this is Jihad Day, and obviously what's going on in the Gaza Strip as well. So that was presumably the background to this. But if you have to, if you have to kind of like have a have a test before you get in for thirty different substances, and then is that information being held? What's being done to it? I think it was a big story. I, like I said. I don't read as much media or listen to as much media as I did. But to me, that's a big story. For him to be brushed under the carpet is one thing. And the thing that really kind of like bothers me is he just said it was only the grandstand people were being tested and people in the primary enclosure were just walking straight in. So I mean, Brendan's press- laughing away. I know we shouldn't be laughing about it. It's actually a very serious topic. But talk about the class system being right oh, in the UK. Can like, you imagine? I bet the press entrance. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. You can take you, you can take free bags full, sir. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. The premier enclosure uh, guff reminds me of that Dr. Strangelove, you know, and he says, gentlemen, gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know it, it couldn't possibly have someone walking into the premier enclosure who's had any been tainted by cocaine or any of life's vices. That just couldn't happen. Could if it? someone asked you to, uh, to test before you went into a... I'm not saying that you are anything untoward here, but just... just just by the very nature, you know, of a possible intrusion, et cetera, would you let yourself be tested before you actually went into a race course? Because the guy said, I don't know if I'm going to go back in uh, tomorrow on Saturday because he said he was heavy-handed and he said he visibly upset him. Now, he could be a bit of a wimp, but I don't know. But, no, 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 um, no, no, no. I, 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 I think I, I, I would do it because I'm conscious that I give away all my data all, all the time through phones and, and apps and things. So I give away my D, DNA, what have you. I'm such a tart. I just give everything away. But I think that the race courses <laughs> should let people know 
that this is something they're doing, that you shouldn't just have to make that decision when you get to the door. And that certainly they shouldn't say, oh, well, only the grandstand class of people will need to be uh, but that, tested. I mean, that's, that's only what he's saying. But for me, it's you know, you should flag it up in advance, shouldn't you? Yeah, I think that's yeah, the thing. If, if, you, if you choose to walk away from such a thing, oh, what would the neighbours be thinking? Oh, geez, Kevin Blake <laughs> turned, away, turned and ran out of the place when he saw the drug testers. What's he up to on a Friday night? You know, yeah. maybe that's I want to know what the 30 thing, but... different substances is. Because the guy actually went and talked to, to the police. I, mean, I, I, I didn't send you for all of it. We had some subsequent chats about it. 30 substances. And then apparently they went to the, ra- the race courses, had the final decision whether they let people in after testing positive. So... Like, I wonder, is it the same sort of thing you get at the airport, you know, when yeah, you wipe yeah, your hands? Yeah. I wonder, was it an, an explosives thing as much as um, as yeah. much as much a drugs thing? I wonder. I have no idea now. I'm just speculating. It's if, very if, it was, if it was to do with that jihad Friday, you know, you, one would one would assume explosives might have been yeah. in people's minds. It, I don't know. I'm completely speculating. It's just, like you said, obviously the... But the, none of the press seemed to pick it up, so I imagine the press weren't tested either. I mean, what is the new market entrance? Is that with the press going the grandstand way? No, I, I got in. I got in there pretty early now, so I couldn't. Um, I was in there at like half nine in the well, morning. They let so an Irish were going untested. I tell you, Tony, I was only thinking because on the Saturday we were in even earlier for the opening show. You know, and it's a very true thing in life that if you turn up early enough anywhere, you'll just walk straight in the door. No one even says hello to you. I bet you. I bet you can. Turn up to like the Super Bowl in America, and if you got there at six in the morning, you could walk in the gate there like you own the place, and no one will stop you. Uh, it seems to people be do that. <laughs> yeah. You probably turned up with ten uh, backpacks as well, didn't you? Even- <laughs> nice, nice. I literally, big, I literally had a huge suitcase, twenty kilo suitcase. I've been in Newmarket all week. Could have been anything in there, lads. On that point, <laughs> yeah. Um, it is time to wrap up the show. Nod to Ace Impact, who was retired this week. Um, but as we discussed after the arc, no real surprises there, given his ownership setup. So just a mention of him. But other than that, we're going to have to wrap up the show because we're done and dusted, guys. The hour timer is you've got, you've got a text signer. Read your text. You've got your sign off. Read your text, Vanessa. Yeah, well, what, a, what a game that uh, that the world champion Colt being retired to start kind of only gets a fleeting mention. And it was completely lost. They released the news the same day as Frankie and the Grand National lose and it hardly made a ripple. But, um, well, the Frankie, yeah, the Frankie, um, we can we can do the nod to a Frankie sign off here because it's 50 to 1 for Frankie to ride at the stole next season. Then you know, take that price. Of, all, of all the special bets now, that w- I, I I would have it shorter than fifties because it would be quite funny to do it if we did do it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Frank is so money minded and mercenary. He'd probably just tell everyone to take the fifties and have a <laughs> like 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 <laughs> Pat Healy's played an absolute blinder with that situation this year. I think it would be the cherry on top if he actually got him to come around and say, "All right, Frankie, what what about that at twenty twenty two rate we agreed? Would you be game for it? I bet you he'd do it for the laugh. And it, would mend, it, would, it would it would mend all the bridges." It would get a huge amount of press. Everyone would win. So there you go, Pat Healy. You're already the Terry Man of the Year for the, for the way you handle that. crush his hand and break it. <laughs> right, guys. You can get it two I, years in a row if you pull that one off. <laughs> I actually really have to go now because Paul Nichols is in front of me, and I think it's lunchtime. <laughs> it's lunchtime, everyone. So I am leaving. All right, Brendan. 
Thank you very much as always. You're marvellous. TC, goodbye. Good luck with the interior decorating. Kevin, I don't know what you're laughing at. Listeners and viewers out there, thank you so much as always for joining us on Wade In this week. We will be back on Thursday with Racing Any Better. But for now, goodbye. Enjoy the week. Have a good one.